Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. Hey everyone, welcome to the Antler Up Podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment. Check out tethernation.com and we have a good one for you on tap this week. We got the emperor himself, Mr. Dan Johnson and you know, we joined the Sportsman's Empire back in August and we've been able to build a friendship with Dan and we are glad that has happened. It's done great things for us as a platform, but not only that, it's been able to build some great, great friendships out there with all the other podcasts on the network. So make sure you check those out. So not only was Dan on this podcast, but also had our good friend Aaron Heppler on this episode. So the three of us, we were able to talk about how to really not suck come fall. And to start this episode off, we chat about how Dan doesn't necessarily use an all year approach to hunting but rather a property approach. And after listening back to this episode, I found myself relating more to what Dan was saying because of the certain private pieces that I end up hunting in the fall. And Dan talks about putting his stake in the intel that he's gained over from previous hunting seasons rather than like the postseason scouting to put himself into better positions. So it was really unique. It was different than I think most uh, postseason scouting uh, podcasts have, have are out there. So one topic that comes out of this, though, is how Dan has developed to scout better while hunting. But when he does get out now to walk a property, it allows him to micromanage those stand locations for those specific spots. So, you know, we also get into hunting strategies from terrain features, really focusing on that for from the e-scouting and actually getting boots on the ground, using cameras to help get a better understanding of deer movement, kickoff points, and Dan's golden rule when it comes to whitetail hunting. Talked about points, hunting out west, doing different things like that. Just a great kind of fun discussion that that we had. So great pleasure having Dan on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Aaron, for coming on this week as well. So thanks a lot, everybody, for all the support. Here's what I'm going to ask for a favor, everybody. Uh, not only please listen to some of the ads that we offer. We're giving you uh, specific discount codes that I am not posting elsewhere. So please give those a listen from uh, using Antler Up. You'll get $10 off of a set of bowstrings over at America's Best Bowstrings using code ANTLERUP25 over at Shea Butler's Knives. So we'll talk about that too. But also, here's my favor. Please, whatever platform you are listening to our podcast on, whether it be iTunes, uh, Spotify, those are two of the main ones, obviously. So, But whatever platform you are, please go uh, leave a review. If you're using iTunes, please you know, write it out as well. Give that five star or whatever you feel that you see fit and also write something. It just means a lot. And uh, thank you so much for, for that support. So just like I said earlier about those discount codes, you know, one of them is with Shea Butler Knives. And Shea's been a really good friend of mine over the last three years. He's been making our hats, doing some other things for us. But uh, he makes custom everyday carry knives to all, obviously, the ultimate hunting knives as well. And 
He has amazing creativity, high quality materials, functional designs. So with his leather work, man, I'm telling you, these products will last a lifetime. And right now, again, you can save 25, 25% off of the new Reverence and the updated Whitetail Knife with the exclusive code, again, antlerup 25 and use that over today at SheaButlerKnives.com. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. So what's up, everybody? We're back for another episode of the Antler Up podcast. And this week, I have Aaron Hepler to help me out today as we interview the man, the myth, the legend. Some call him the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Those people are liars. His closest friends from Iowa and growing up call him Daz. Well, however, to me, he's known as the emperor of the sports empire. There you go. Yeah. How did how did you find that out? Well, when we talked last, when I did your podcast, we got talking about nicknames, and I remember Daz, and I was like, "Oh!" When I heard you on Josh's latest uh, podcast, I I knew I was like, "I'm I got to up Josh on this one." So, man, Dan, it's it's a great pleasure to to finally finally have you on the Antler Up podcast. Dude, I'm jacked. I'm excited to be on, and I'm excited to have the Antler Up podcast on the uh, Sportsman's Empire Network. And uh, you, you yourself do some really good work, man. So it was a no-brainer for me to to bring you aboard. Oh man, I appreciate. It. Well, you know, I I want to get into stuff, some some postseason stuff, some future things that of, of talking with you. But one thing before we get rolling into all that stuff, I will say this. You know, Aaron's beat me to the punch already. He's found one, but you know, I've been out three, four, a uh, couple handful of times of scouting some new local pieces. I did your shed hunting strategy and I must be the blind leading the blind because I haven't found shit yet. So did, Hey, first thing, did you go to a place where deer live? <laughs> Well, yeah, I was stepping in shit left and right. Every other okay. step. But okay. yeah. So did you have your head down like this? Uh, that's a no, that's a no <laughs> kind of, I guess you can kinda. say. Okay. Kinda. All yeah. right. Well, I'll tell you what, next time you go, don't, don't kind of have your head down, always have your head down Just because when I, I didn't know, I don't know if you know this or not, but when an antler mm-hmm. of a, of a buck actually falls off, it falls to the ground. <laughs> And then, and then, so if you're looking like this, you can't see it, but if you put your head down like this, then, then you can see them. 
yep. that way. Yep. Oh man. No, that that's good stuff. Aaron, <laughs> how many, how, how many have you found already this year? Just two. Just two already? Two. Man, I'm behind. Me. I'm behind. Well, don't you have like all those piles of corn, Dan, that you, you just find them all in? Oh, yeah. Man, I, I run I run uh, about 15 to 25 different feeders on all of my thousands of acres of public ground or of, of private ground that I have access to. And really, the sheds find themselves. All I have to do is pull up in my brand new 2023 truck and hop out in my uh Kennedy boots and step on the ground and they pretty much just get right in to my truck i don't even have to pick them up oh man uh yeah it's been fun this is gonna be, this is gonna be a good one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, i'm telling you right now i don't i'm right about this time is usually when i have my first cup of coffee but Today I haven't stopped drinking coffee, so I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. Very I'm ready. We are we are about to be on spring break next week, so I'm I'm mm. fired up too. And we're we were supposed to originally get this big storm, which I was kind of disappointed in because of getting out and scouting and doing some things. Aaron and I are actually going to be getting together next weekend, but. So now it's not supposed to really hit at all. It's supposed to be maybe just a little thin layer of uh, some ice and snow. So, you know, people that wanted to get out this, this upcoming weekend should still be able to get out, which will, will be good for, for some scouters and uh, get out there, maybe find some sheds, but all right, Dan, well, you, we, you text me, you know, I texted you yesterday just to verify we're good to go for today. You asked me what, what's the topic? And I said, uh, to not suck, you know, how to come, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the, I guess that's kind of the, the motto where we could be. So, you know, what Some do you, people struggle with that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. And I, and sometimes, you know, you could be, you know, just, just on that struggle bus, but you know, what are things that you're doing now? I know scouting is a big topic and I do want to talk a little bit about that and, and just certain things just because I want your perspective. And I think you I've watched even some of your content stuff when you break down properties of entry and exit routes and certain things like that. And I really like the way you do it. So, you know, what are you doing now to not suck come fall? Well, I don't look at, I don't really look at, uh, look at this process as a yearly process because on one farm, it's almost, it's almost property based. So I have one farm. I know the ins and outs of it. I know where the deer are going to be during the hunting season. I know the pinch points, the access routes, just from years of collecting data on that farm, you know, 15 years into this, in this property, I kind of know a lot about it. Now on a new property that I don't have access or that I haven't had that, that uh, much experience on like this uh, new farm that I picked up this spring, that is, that's more of a hands-on boots on the ground, learning curve, moving tree stands, trying to find the pinch points, trying to find the heavy trails, trying to find edge, all that stuff. And so really what it is, it's, it's less about what you're doing at a certain time every single year to find success for the next year. It really is just, it's a collection of information over the course of all the years that lead you to finding success for that particular year. Dan, when I, uh, I did that, when I interviewed you for that article that I did for truth from the stand, yeah. um, we talked about, you're all, you're always saying like, just stack the Intel, just like you do, um, you know, like a, a small mouth fisherman will be like, Oh, you know, the fish are relating to this kind of structure. But when you're, 
I mean, stacking the Intel is, is the perfect thing to do. Like you're looking for the same kind of features that you see on one property on another property, but how many times are you seeing it not really line up that way? Like maybe the deer 20 miles down the road, don't really like Ridge points. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, you know, in the whitetail world, and when it comes to people saying something like, uh, you know, uh, you got to get downwind of a bedding area. Yeah. Well, I've seen bucks cruise during the rut up, upwind of bedding areas. I've seen deer walk with their back to the wind. I've seen deer walk around uh, in the in the daylight on October first. So there is an exception to absolutely every single rule. And so when it comes to stacking the intel and collecting it, what I'm trying to do is find find the highest percentage rates and and how i find that is by spending time in a tree stand scouting is great right it can tell you what has happened but you do not get you do not get the full um what's the word i'm looking for the full plate of information until you hunt through that particular farm throughout the early season the you know the some guys want to call the call it the lull. I think it's bullshit. But the lull, the uh, the the pre rut, the rut, the post rut, the late season. And so, really, what you're what you're doing is you're watching deer shift throughout that entire year as vegetation comes and goes off of the uh, the trees, as food sources change, as uh, deer behavior changes, and that's that has more, in my opinion to do with a success, uh, the successful hunt the next year than it does that particular year. Right. Yeah. Now, when you look at that new farm for you, Dan, coming up and this past year was your first year actually hunting that, correct? Correct. So how much stock do you put into right now getting out there and getting boots on the ground? Well, uh, it's one of those things where I need to, I need to go out at least once. Uh, and the, it's, it's a property that I can walk in one day because a majority of it is ag. There's one giant vein of timber that runs through the property and it's not that big. And so it, it is thick and it does hold a lot of deer. Uh, but um, I, I, I should be able to do it in an afternoon and really get an idea of how deer, uh, well, I, I, cause I've already went through a hunting season. I've had a little bit of scouting, through uh when i was uh when i went there in august to drop trail cameras and then again in uh, early october to hunt and then during the rut as well so i have a good idea of how deer are moving through the property now the the scouting is going to be looking for for me if i go and do a shed hunt and and scout that is going to be looking for really intricacies. And what I mean by that is the ability to micromanage my stand locations to get them not close enough, but in, in some of these lock tight spots where, you know, thermals, like I'll have the thermal advantage or I'll have a wind advantage because of some kind of terrain feature or, uh, or, you know, maybe finding a trail that, curves and j hooks and and it's up against a creek bed they don't necessarily cross it they just kind of come around it and it it gives me an opportunity to find uh a place to set up with a 
uh, with a really close cutting the wind type scenario. Kind of like those, I, I've been trying to find those like deer hub areas, like where is going to concentrate deer a lot. And that's what I'm really excited yeah. for to, like I was said earlier to go with Aaron next weekend, just because it's a property that I hunted my whole life. And I've been listening to a, a couple different episodes of podcast the last couple of days. And, you know, there are things that I'm starting to, things are clicking a little bit more. And I th- hope that by having more eyes, see this property and walk these areas with me, I just, I'm hoping that it could maybe broaden some horizons, you know, kind of like falling into that old rut of these are normal areas that I've gone to been to. It could produce deer, no doubt about it. However, there seems to be that one spot though, that I keep missing some of the big boys that I'm after. Right. And that's where I'm hoping to kind of find that concentration. So like when you were saying about those J hooking areas and those spots like that, that, you know, that's that hub of those, that's what's kind of coming to mind what I'm hoping to find. Yeah. And sometimes those aren't easy to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes those take years to, to find. And really what it comes down to is you're, you're always like your brain for me, my brain, I didn't learn this right away, but my brain has to be on like mm-hmm. a deer walks where a deer walks for a reason because it feels comfortable in that particular spot at that particular time. So you have to use your brain to see why that deer did what he did. So if a buck is up and moving on, you know, October 1st at 1 PM, what, what made him do that? Why is, why is he doing that? And and so once you can start to figure those things out, it allows you to get more detailed into those stand locations. I think even, like asking yourself simple questions while you're out, just like, why would a deer walk here? Mm-hmm. Cause you forget to do, I, I forget to do it all the time. It's like, I'll find myself like, I'm not finding any sign. And I kind of like look around and I'm like, Oh, what, why would they even walk through here? Why bother? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and a lot of guys, including myself, if I've had a rough day at work or if I've uh, you know, my kids have been on my ass or something like that. And I go to the woods I just shut my brain off yeah, and I don't, I'm not thinking about things. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you shut your brain off, you're just waiting for a deer to show up instead of, Hey, I saw a deer in the distance. What's he doing? Right. Well, do you ever get hyper-focused on something too? Like, Oh, I'm going to, today I'm going to find the biggest buck bed on the property. And all you're focused on is finding the bed, but forgetting about why, like, why would a deer want a bed there? What is he doing to get there? That kind of stuff. And you're like forgetting just the foundations of what you need to do to find that buck bed. Yeah. I mean, from a, from a a hyper-focusing standpoint, I I do do that, but I don't, um, I I do something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a hundred, I'm a hundred percent terrain feature focused. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this whole notion for me of buck beds, yeah. like going and finding a buck bed. I can go and find a deer bed, but mm-hmm. a buck bed that as that this buck particular particular buck goes there over and over and over just does not happen where I hunt in the in the country that I hunt. Yeah. And so I used to try to do that, right? Mm-hmm. I used to say, "Hey Dan Infault, I'm trying to apply this buck bed method to how I hunt. Well, he's hunting in a completely different terrain than right. I am. And right. so me trying to apply that, that strategy onto the farm that I hunt is a waste of my time. Okay. And so it's awesome for what, where he's at, 
But for me, deer bed in so many different areas, even if the wind is a little off, and let's say it's a, a different bed for north and north northwest or north and northeast, they're going to have different beds on, on different pieces of the property. And they don't. I wouldn't say they necessarily bed in the same spot every single day. And you're hunting, I mean, what you're hunting, I think uh, what you've described is kind of, there is pretty big chunks of timber. Yeah. So the terrain is more important than the actual bed because they bed on specific terrain, but they might not, like you said, they might not bed in the same places every day. I'm sure that's yeah. what you're finding. Yeah, I, I I hunt in a mix of ag, like uh, it's ag river bottom ground okay. for the most part. And then where that river bottom meets is big timber. Right. And so I have big, you know, big, really big chunks of timber that I have access to that also ag fields. And so, yes, on the end of those points, I found deer sign and buck, buck rubs mm-hmm. indicating that, hey, there's deer there. Yeah. But at, at on the opposite side of a ridge usually is a low spot into an ag field. I've seen buck beds there too, right. on these fingers that lead up to right. the, you know, up to the field. And so you can really sit and try to find out where they, where they're at, you know, mm-hmm. when you get in there, which, which is great. It's good to know, but I don't really worry about that too much. I worry right. about where deer are coming through because ultimately what we're doing is ambush hunting. So right. I don't necessarily care about where he's betting per se. Mm-hmm. I care about what terrain feature he's going to use to go to his food source of choice uh, yeah. by the end of the night or come back from in the morning. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% on that. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at spartanforge.ai. So, Dan, Dan you you were saying about... You put those cameras out in August. Are are you making any adjustments right now or anything along those lines with, with your cameras? Uh, as far as moving my cameras around, I move them around all the time, yeah. all year round. I try to find different spots, different uh, crossings. Um, like here, here soon, hopefully, I think be, I'm going to end up taking uh, some mineral and I'll dump some mineral out and in front of a cell cam just to get a, an inventory, see what deer are still holding. Uh, and then that should last through most of the spring. And then I'll go change my batteries again, and then it'll be velvet season. And so uh, those, those particular cameras stay in, uh, in the same spot all spring and up until it's time to move them off the mineral station and move them to a different location into those pinch points, uh, you know, creek crossings, fence crossings. And then uh, the trail cameras also help me uh, really refine where that deer movement is on any said property. Mm-hmm. That's good. I, here's one question I wanted to ask because we last talked mainly on, on for your podcast right after the new year, we're getting, mm-hmm. getting ready, breaking in 2023. Now that the season's been over for, you know, over a month plus and everything, and you've done some trade shows, you talk to people, you relive, you relive some hunting moments th- throughout the season. 
Is there anything that now you look at like, man, I overlooked that this past year? Oh, you know, I, I, I guess I haven't re- really reflected on yeah. anything like that. It, like looking for something that went wrong because the outcome of my season, as far as Iowa was concerned, I would consider a success, even though the the whole recovery of my animal was was an issue. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I wasn't able to retrieve the meat off of him. I found him, but he was already eaten by coyotes. Now, if I look back and say, did I make a mistake from the strategy standpoint? The only thing, and this would be if I was hypercritical of myself, is I had a giant on another farm. And, but he wasn't, I couldn't get a consistent bead on him. He would show up here one day and then another place the next day and another place the next day. And I really didn't have a, uh, like a, a good idea of what terrain features he was running. And so really what I did at that point was I went to this new farm where I was getting a ton of action and a ton of consistent action. And that's kind of what led me to go there and start my rut vacation there. And it didn't take too long to connect. But what I will say is if I could have done it differently, I probably would have spent some time trying to uh, get on my other farm and see if there in fact was some kind of pattern that I could have tried to find this other, this other buck on. Cause that's the piece that I I'm currently doing right now. Like I said, I, yeah. with, with me not coaching right now for the first time in 10 years of a spring sport, I've been mm-hmm. out a bunch of times already. I've been trying to e-scout a, a bunch of different uh, areas as well to hopefully get to, you know, so right now, like that's my main thing. And like, I, I know we were joking about going, you know, shed hunting and everything, but the one thing that I've been trying to is, break things down and slow the process down. Like the other day I stayed in one little spot. Like I, I still was able to hike six miles. However, I stayed in certain areas when I found good sign a lot longer than I could have, like I could have done a lot more mileage quote unquote has covered more ground. But when I found that sign, I stayed there more. So I wanted to kind of, I would pull up the map and I would look at certain scenarios of like, okay, where's this deer coming from? Where's an access possibly? Cause I found this Creek bottom that was just completely destroyed with rubs and some of them still look fresh. Uh, Aaron, I know I sent you like that video and everything and I posted yeah. it on, on social media, but I don't think it really did it justice because that was just a small snippet, Dan, of just rubs galore. And yeah. on top of, on the front side, it was coming on a, on top was like an old brush, uh, clear cut that led down into some open woods, you know, bench after bench after bench. And then it kind of dropped down into the open woods that led into the thick and some pines with the Creek bottom. And then on the other side of that, it lifted up into just real thick, nasty mountain laurel. And so I kind of stayed down there for a long time to find, try to put that piece of the puzzle together, like how I would hunt it and how I would do that. So, you know, we're, you're talking about going out and doing certain things. Now I'm finding, if I find the shed, it is by pure luck. It is by me, you know, all that type of stuff, because I'm really focusing on when I do get out or had the opportunity to get out during this time, it's that deer sign and trying to tell the story. What are, maybe certain things that people should really key in on that's really important now 
for next year? Like obviously, yes, finding scrapes, rubs is all good, but you know, maybe even like the deeper side of things. Like if like for you, for example, if you know your farm has corn this year, next year, if it's a, you know, swapping the rotation out, going to beans, what are certain things like that? Again, kind of doing like that overlook question I said, like, what are things that maybe people are just so hyper-focused on? Like, ooh, there's scrape, ooh, there's a rub, and not fit really piecing other puzzle, you know, pieces of the puzzle together. So yeah, I kind of go back to what I mentioned earlier about sitting in, in the woods during the hunting season. So what I would be looking for at this point is a kicking off point. Mm. Right. I would be looking for the best possible tree stand to kick off a rotation. Right. So when my vacation comes October 29th, November 5th, whatever it is, I'm looking for uh, a location to where I can walk into the timber and get a good and guys can even do this. It doesn't have, I wouldn't consider this an observation set because when you're in some of these thick areas, I can't even see 40 yards. So what, what I'm getting at here is find those, those, those starting points. And then it usually they're not as far in, maybe they're on the edges, but what that allows you to do is to just creep your way in to a spot or, you know, like you were mentioning, it sounds to me like you're hunting in a, almost like a valley or a big drainage that's like this, right? Mm -hmm. And so it might be on, on the, let's just say this way is south and this way is north, right? So you have this big, you have this big drainage, the wind is coming out of the north and it's on a, on, and it's coming over top of this ridge. And then on the south, it's coming over here, and then east and west, it's just funneling right through. And so what I would do is I would find a, south, a southern wind and a northern wind kickoff point. And so the first day you go, oh, I got a south wind, I'm going to be on this side. And, and then from there, you can see the bottom or you can, but you're not going for, you're not necessarily going for a, uh, uh, like an observation sit, you're actually in a terrain feature and you're actually hunting a spot, but a spot that's on the outskirts. And then you can creep down if things aren't going, going your way. And you just, Oh, well, Hey, I saw something. I saw, I saw a, a doe group come through down here. And what that does is it allows you to move your stand location 20, 40, 50, hundred yards, whatever the, the case may be closer to that deer movement and and then what what you're doing is you're just micro adjusting the entire time so i would definitely be looking for the kickoff points Aaron, what have you been finding out so far uh for me i'm just kind of like going over some new areas um really not new areas but areas that i've hunted my whole life maybe small game hunted just to um just to put some different miles on because i know um, some of my core areas I know so well that I have because I have put in the time and the miles in those places. And um, I have an idea of where I might be able to find some sheds in those places. So I think finding sheds in those um, in those places that I know really well will confirm things that maybe I'm missing mm-hmm. or, or help to. Um, plus, I know, you know, 
maybe a scrape line moves a little bit just because um, the vegetation got taller or, uh, you know, maybe they're going through this, this trail now because the browse is better over here. So some of those like fine details are good to relook at your stuff, but I'll be doing that, you know, later this month. So mostly it's just been new stuff, um, finding interesting access right now and getting creative and some heavily pressured areas, that kind of thing. Dan, when you look at this time frame and people are scouting, but they're also planning those out-of-state hunts, and I know you've done, you know, you go into plenty of out-of-state hunts and, and those opportunities. When you go into one, like, completely blind, other than e-scouting, like, what steps are you taking to make sure you're putting yourself in the best position, like, to get an opportunity, you think? Man, really what I'm doing is this. I'm on whatever app a person is using and, and just – finding again kind of finding kickoff points yeah right okay so i'm gonna go to like especially when i'm out west and i'm going on a a a hunt where there's different terrain features and i can see a long ways i'm going to a high spot i'm looking through my binoculars there's my spotting scope if i'm gonna go on a on a a whitetail hunt i'm gonna go uh find the biggest baddest terrain feature that i can go in there or that I can find, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to set up in an area where the wind is going to be 100% in my favor. And then I'm going to start and I'm just going to keep moving. I'm going to look for deer sign like normal. I'm going to look for deer movement and, and really looking for deer movement at this, at that point is key. But you know, that that's again, kind of, <laughs> I, I understand that the focus of this podcast is to try to, you know, think about what a person should be doing right now. And it's hard for me to, I haven't done that in so long because I've taught myself to be better at less, less scouting, more scouting while you hunt. Mm-hmm. And ju- just because of time, restraints, right? I, you know, three kids, wife, yep. business activities, you know? And so I've really taught myself, I I've learned all of this through doing these types of activities throughout the years and, and scouting and scouting and scouting when I was younger and, and going hard and, and, mm-hmm. you know, a shed hunting 30 or 40 days a year, but I can't do that anymore. That's so I'm taking all that knowledge that I've learned and I'm applying it to a more of a mobile in the moment type type strategy. Last year was a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers. We partnered with social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoorsmen and women by hunters and anglers just like you. Go Wild is a free social community. Not only are your photos not censored, they're encouraged on Go Wild. And Go Wild gives you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. As you earn points, you unlock awesome rewards too, such as gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Oh, and if you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. Visit and download GoWild.com to get started. 
Yeah, that's perfect because that's, I mean, coming into it, that's exactly, like I said, yes, this year I have the more chances to get out there and scout, but that's the opportunity where I've fallen into that, right? Family, work, all that type of stuff. And so when you think about going to these out-of-state hunts, because, you know, like yourself, Dan, I know you're interested in possibly going uh, to uh, Kansas or another big whitetail type state like that. You know, there's, I know for a fact that I, my chances of getting out there are very slim. Right. Right. And that's a, that's an expensive tag. That's a good opportunity. So like you said, I want to do, I want to take all the knowledge that I've learned. And like, I mean, I, I wrote down what, what you said. I love the, I want to get to that biggest, baddest area where the Mm -hmm. wind is going to in my favor and get in there and go. And that's, I think what myself and plenty of hunters kind of, you know, don't do enough of, and I, 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 I admit I fell victim to that last year. That was a goal of mine last year. Mm-hmm. This past season was I want to scout more, but man, when that time kits, I'm like, I should be in it. I should be, I should be up somewhere. I need to be hunting. And yeah. damn it. When I, during rifle season, when I was walking around, I was like, Holy shit, there's a, there, look at all this sign I missed during archery season or within the last couple of weeks that mm-hmm. I did not ca- capitalize on. Yeah. And this can be, and I'm just speaking for myself, but this can be the most overwhelming part of trying to figure out deer and be this mobile aspect because I've put myself into a position where I've scared myself into isolation and just staying in one spot way too Mm -hmm. long. I've also fell victim to no deer here, move, no deer here, move, no deer here, move. And I haven't given it the proper amount of time to sit in one spot and watch maybe a cycle, like a cycle of days go by. And so because if you get pigeonholed into looking for rubs and scrapes, you will eventually miss something. And a perfect example was this past year where I had a, a, a cell cam on a, on a ridge. And so I went out and I, I was, I just had an extra one and I didn't use it. And I said, well, I'm just going to put it here. There's no rubs. There's no scrapes. There's no real sign. There's some deer trails. And so uh, I, I set it there in September and I let it send me pictures all year, basically all year. And there was a lot of really good deer on this little ridge went back and pulled it thinking it's going to be destroyed with the tons of rubs and scrapes. There was not one rub. There was not one scrape on this entire Ridge. And so again, like you can't really be pigeon. You shouldn't put all your eggs necessarily into the, Hey, here's a rub line basket. Mm -hmm. Right. I think one thing you said too, is like hunting off memory is, stacking the odds and learning the learning the things is is perfect and if as long as you take the time to apply it somewhere else Absolutely. because if you are i guess if you know if you're hunting off memories and you're only hunting off memories you do pigeonhole yourself into um oh i'm just going to go to that spot because it's been good for my entire life yeah instead of like learning that kind of like that new thing like you said um, the observation stuff, you know, maybe you need yeah. to move that stand 50 to hundred yards because that's the difference in the, you know, woods don't stay the same forever. No. And I will talk out of this corner of my mouth with what we just talked about, but on the other corner of my mouth, I will say this little device right here 
mm-hmm. and being able to document like deer sightings on whatever app that you use, you know, Hey, I saw a buck here. I saw a rub here. And you over a course of years start to put the puzzle, the puzzle together. You can really get a really good idea of exactly how deer move on a property. And let's just say you have a satellite image and you put all of these, you remove the satellite image and you just take all the points of interest and not even really talk about what those actual points are. Mm-hmm. You can put it down on a blank white sheet of paper and say, if I was a deer hunter, where would I hunt on this piece of paper? Mm-hmm. And you would hunt in the areas with, with the most dots on the map or on that piece of paper, just, just out of, you know, statistics. Right. And so documenting Every, you know, memory is great, but documenting that and then finding where like the highest percentage of deer move over the course of a year or five years or 10 years, it probably changes a little, but it doesn't change. Like all of a sudden the deer isn't just going to start traveling on top of ridges, like skylining themselves. That's not going to happen, right? They're going to stay on that military crest or, or, or lower. They're going to come up in, in concealed bottoms at the lowest point of fields. They're going to work their way through pinch points in, in certain areas. They're going to jump fences in, in certain areas because that's where they feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And so just as much information that you can gain from collecting it, you can also look at that and say, well, here's where deer are not. And then I don't even pay attention to those areas. Right. What would you say is the Dan Johnson, like golden rule that you abide by for whitetails, no matter where you're going? Make sure your wife is happy before you leave for a hunt. (laughs) And I, and I say that in all seriousness, like, like if, if, I've been on hunts where I've left and she's been mad. And then in like, I'm driving down the road and you get the text. I'm not, I'm not even in the tree yet. When will you be home? Like the kids are going crazy, you know, like, and so you have to take care of home first yeah. and then go hunting second. Now, if you are a single, no kids guy who guy or gal and has the world in front of you, I would say hunt as many days as you possibly can, as, as, as many hours as you possibly can, October 1st through January 10th here in Iowa. And I, I think you should hunt every single one of those days because you will learn the most about how deer move throughout the entire hunting season when you, when you're able to just put as much time now, granted, you want to have awesome access if you're going to hunt, uh, that many days, but you know, be prepared to be mobile and, and the more mobile you are and the better your access is, the more you can hunt in a given, uh, farm. But if you're that public land guy, man, you should be out as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. I love what you said because I mean, obviously I consider, I really do consider our antler up podcast to be an educational base. Obviously I'm a teacher. I love learning for myself. I love getting that uh, information out there, looking at things at a different perspective. But I love that you said that because I have, I have a ton of respect for you because of having what you've built, right? You have your own business, you have your own dream. I know like I love being a part of the sportsman's empire and just because of the fire and the drive that I know 
where you want to take this and what you want to do with it. But you're also a husband. You're also a father. And I think, you know, I said it a couple of weeks ago on a podcast. Don't get me wrong. Am I ecstatic to get out scouting this year? Yes. Do I think it's not going to guarantee me I'm going to kill a deer next year because of it, right? It, it, could right. it help? Yes. But I know some people will say this is, you know, they're so dead red on if you're not doing this right now you're not going to kill a deer well how many how many individuals are out there that don't do this but go and kill a big buck yeah. you know the next that's a scare tactic yeah. that's all it is yeah. i mean let's yep. be honest yep most guys could give up a whole year of scouting and go out and kill some form of a deer right it's not like you just all of a sudden forget like oh well now what do i do i i, I didn't scout this year holy shit i should go I'm going to just, I'm just going to sit in my truck in the, in the parking lot. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to ride this one out because yeah, really. I, you know, I don't have enough information. Bullshit. I mean, you, you know what to do. Yep. And that's, and that's exactly why I'm, I'm glad you said what you said, but I also am glad when you said a little bit ago of, you know, you're taking what, you know, when you go into these new either States or areas of, of even heck your own property, you're, you're still scouting, you're still looking, you're checking things of, Hey, this is, like you said, it's not hot. I may have to move. I may, you know, yeah. be able to tinker around, but you're able to, to do that and mm -hmm. make that decision. Right. I'll say this, man. Like I've had the opportunity. I, I've had the, the choice in front of me. It's been October. It's been, I looked at the forecast the night before and I said, Oh dude, tomorrow morning is going to be money. <laughs> uh, it's going to be money. Like a front just passed through. It's going to just be money. And instead I made the decision to go to my kid's soccer game because I have just as much fun going and doing that than I do going out and hunting. And so the hunting will be there. The hunting's always going to be there. Well, you know, if you want to say, well, what if, what if this, what if that, well, whatever hunting is going to be there, your mm -hmm. family, your, your, your kids or whatever, that shit changes every year. And it, it's, it goes away quickly. And that's one thing that I've realized is like, I, I look back at pictures and I know this is kind of getting set like less about deer strategy, more about family. But I, I, I look at the pictures of my kids and I'm like, holy cow, I don't even remember when you were that small. That is how much time goes by in life like this. Yeah. yeah. And so I just want to make sure that I can be the best father and husband that I possibly can be and then go out and hunt my balls off. Yep. Right. And so it's all about taking care of the things that are most important and the things that are most important, like are not and should not be hunting. Well, it goes hand in hand when they're happy and they are not, like you said, you're not getting that text message of when are you coming home? You're focused mm -hmm. then, right? You know, yeah. things are taken care of and you're able to do your own thing. And that's, yeah. I, I agree. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yep. You find like it's paying it forward with your kids too. Like you find you take interest in their interests and they also start to take interest in yours because you just care about each other. Yeah. I, I think in a way that's, that's an accurate statement. Uh, um, I spend time with them. I show them that I love them. Mm -hmm. I coach their activities. I, you know, wrestle with them. I, color pictures with them. I, you know, do the things that kid, you know, play catch outside. Yeah. And then when they say, Hey dad, because I feel like I'm a good dad and because I treat them awesome, they want to spend more time with me. And so when I go out into the woods and they say, Hey dad, can I come too? I yeah. say, yes. 
And so I, you know, unless it's like peak rut and I, I'm, I got the beat on a big uh, rut, I'm like, yeah, you're sitting this one out, buddy, <laughs> but there's going to be a time when I'm going to, I'm going to teach them everything that I did not have a teacher for. Yeah. And if they want to take it to the next level and, and be a hardcore serious hunter, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do whatever I'm going to give up everything in my life for those moments. Right. Yeah. I'm, when, uh, my little girl is the same way. Like you take interest in what she loves and she's like more prone to be like, Hey, can we go do this? And I'm like, well, I didn't think, I don't, do you, do you like that? And she's like, yeah, you like it. So I like it. <laughs> That's and, uh, awesome. That would melt. That would melt my heart. If it does every time. Say, it does, yeah. It does every time. And you yeah. know, last week, um, a couple of does walked through the backyard and she's like, dad, that one looks like it would make really good Mississippi pot roast. <laughs> <You know>, like, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That is good. And, and and really, and here's what I'm finding. It doesn't necessarily need to be, it doesn't necessarily need to be these big gigantic moments right? where you're, you're taking them out on a hunt or you're taking them scouting or you're doing something deer, mm-hmm. right? Or doing something turkey. I, I think some of the most fun I've had with my kids in the outdoors has been pulling up to a boat ramp and literally throwing rocks, rocks. in the water yeah. for hours or yeah. sticks in the water or, you know, splashing in a mud puddle or watch going to a dam and watching fish jump out of the water or whatever. It, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's the little things that set the foundation. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And this is all, I know, like you said, Dan, it's, it, you know, we're got away from the, the, deer hunting strategy, but it's important because we're all, I listened to a podcast not too long ago with John Eberhart and Exodus guys where John, you know, Jake asked to ask them, what is your biggest failure or something that you regret? And John came right out and said, he's like, um, putting my kids through a divorce. And he's like, uh, when I had any time free, I was out hunting, I was doing this and it put a lot of strain on them. And he's like, don't get me wrong. I took my kids hunting, but that divorce, I didn't, I wish I didn't put them through that because of me being gone all the time. And I was, it, it, it does make you, you know, my, my daughter will be nine tomorrow. And you know, it, it's the same thing. I, I think of everything that we all just said, and mm-hmm. it's, it's important to be there and share moments with them and, and do all that type of stuff. So I, it's all relatable. Yeah. I think it's and, important. And, I'll be honest. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'll just finish real, real quick. But a lot of guys, especially in this hunting industry, look up to certain people Mm -hmm. and they say, Oh man, I wish I could be this person. Well, some of these people are putting hunting before everything else in their life. Kind of like what, what Eberhardt was saying in that comment, but I know a lot of guys who are like that. And a lot of guys who are just like, you know what? I'm, I'm choosing hunting over maybe I want to say my family. And because if it, if it leads, if there's an issue and hunting is the main problem, then you're not doing your job as a father or husband. Uh, in my opinion, right. I, I feel like if you take care of your family, you can go do hunting as much as you want. Um, as long as expectations are set for who, you know, your partner and your children. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I saw that. And as I learned that some of these badass hunters are, 
are just like I talked to a guy one time. He's like, dude, my dad has killed some absolute giants, but he did not go to one of my football games growing up because he was out hunting all the time. And so that kind of struck me as holy cow, man. Like, like I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. You hit it well. And actually, you're not the first person to kind of chime in on that discussion with how yeah. some of these people are. Well, Dan, what, you know, what are maybe we, we mentioned possibly Kansas. What are some other big goals you have maybe coming out this year, hunting, uh, you know, sportsman's empire. What are some other things that you have coming down the pipe? Yeah. So as far as hunts are concerned, I just have to kill a mule deer this year. Like <laughs> I've been really frustrated, frustrated over the past handful of years of trying to get on a mule deer and kill one. Okay. That's what I want to do now. Uh, outside of that, uh, I got a couple uh, options as far as I, I'm going to be applying for a Kansas tag. If that happens, then I'm going to try to hunt Oklahoma while I'm down there uh, with with a focus heavily on on Kansas. But I I just want to continue to have as much fun as humanly possible and, and do some of these aggressive hunts and hunt aggressive because I, I learned something today. On Tuesday this week, I was at the gym and I was lifting heavy. And then I went, I, I, something happened to my knee. Right. And so today I actually went to a doctor and he took x-rays of my knee and his exact words were, this looks like garbage, uh, the X, like the x-ray. And, and so I, I, just one second, I'm going to see if I can pull it up for the, the video uh, for you guys to show you my knee. I'm going to see if you guys can see this. Yeah, do you see this? Do you see the screw and the staple? Yes. In my knee from, uh, from a past surgery. He's like, you have a lot of bone spurs. And usually I would not recommend a knee replacement to someone your age, but I think you might be needing a knee replacement here pretty soon. <laughs> Sounds so, like you're going to need more than one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So he's like, you'll have to have one, you know, maybe by the time you're 45 and then another one when you're 70 yeah. or something, you know, or 65 or something like that. And so he goes, I would rather have it now where you're young enough to live your life and, and you can, you can still do all those things because once you get into your seventies and have a knee replacement, the, the healing process is going to be much longer than 45. And so I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to have to schedule a knee replacement here pretty soon. <laughs> oh man. Oof. I want to do that after the mule deer hunt. Oh yeah. Or well, after the hunting season, like after the archery season, I'll give up on, you know, or maybe January one and and from January one, I may have to skip on a Turkey season, but from January one, I feel like I could rehab myself if I'm a hundred percent focused to be back out in the woods by uh, September the following year. I think that's reasonable at the age you're at. Nine, nine months or something like that, yeah. That's a reasonable goal. You'd probably yeah. be good before a little bit before that. Yeah. My dad is in his early 60s just now, and last year he had both of them done. And he was up and down the mountain with me this past year on his own doing everything. So that's awesome. – you know, Yeah, it's – and he loved it because he's almost – to that age of retirement. So he feels really good now. And he's like, man, when I, when I finally retire, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be hunting every day. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's good for him, man. Yeah, yeah that's the way him. to do it, man. Whenever we have patients that are like, "Oh, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one at a time," even though they know they need both of them, I'm like, "Don't do yeah. that. <laughs> Just yeah, do, yeah. Get, do them both. Get it over with." Yeah, yeah. He, he ended up getting one done, I think, in May, and then the other one could have been in July. Like, I mean, they were they weren't at the exact same time. Obviously, they were yeah. a couple weeks apart. But yeah, he had them done, and he. Like I said, this year was his first full year getting after it after post-surgery, basically. And he, I mean, there was the time when he helped me uh, pull up the the doe that I shot with the rifle down at the bottom. And I, th- if it happened the year prior, I was happening to quarter that deer out because he couldn't do it. Yeah. This past year, he was able to help me and he did it strongly enough. And so he's he's happy. He's definitely really happy. He's He's done the the rehab, the physical therapy, everything that he's needed to do with it. So yeah, I'm excited for him. He's all he's all pumped. And Aaron, I know you and I were we've talked about when we both hopefully pull an Iowa tag that year, like the same year, and go out. He's like, I'm coming with you guys. I just want to come and you know yeah, ex- experience it. Yeah, he could be the yeah. film guy. So hopefully. I'm- I'm just waiting for Elon Musk to invent robot legs. There you go. And so I'll just have my legs removed and then I'll just have robot legs. And then I won't have my ass burning so much when I'm trying to climb, you know, up to 12,000 feet. Yeah. Did you, did you hunt out of the saddle at all this year, Dan? A couple times, a couple times, but not as much as I wanted to. And as I was sitting there, I was trying to get comfortable in it. And I, I realized like, yeah, this is, this is definitely doable. And I actually think it's going to be better for my lower back Mm -hmm. than sitting in a tree stand, kind of like this all day long. You're more prone. I think in the saddle, you're more prone to kind of stretch your legs and stand. Yeah. You could just do it almost seamlessly. Yeah. Yep. I was I was curious to see how what your opinion was on it and everything and how your experience was this past year with it. Yeah, just I, I don't have enough time in it yet, be, just because, you know, I was out west yeah. and I didn't use it at all. And then when it was time to I used it in the early season and a couple times just like one time in the rut and then my season was over because uh, I, I tagged out. And so I, I really do need to. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say I need to, I will be messing around with it a lot more this year, especially if I draw, uh, Kansas and, and then go down to Oklahoma for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to this year, I'm actually changing it up a little bit. I'm still going to be doing exactly everything I've done. Aaron, I know we've talked about one sticking. However, I'm not one sticking. I plan on to practice just doing the full repelling. I plan on using my three tethered one sticks using an aider. I use the, uh, the GC one from backwoods mobile. Uh, it's, it's like a three-step aider. I'll get up as high as I can. And I am a hundred percent confident coming or going up that aider, but coming down at night and stuff, it's a little wonky. Yeah. So what I plan on doing this year is I'm just going to continue to use my three steps with the aider going up, but then coming down, I plan on repelling down. So when I get to each step, I'll just undo it come down and just can use the mad rock to, to lower me down. So that's going to be something I plan on working on this spring and summer to make sure I'm proficient enough to, to rock with that to come fall. You know what we need to do is get a 3d printer and print those tree spikes that guys who uh, are in those uh, uh, lumberjack competitions where, where they run up the tree. 
wouldn't that be cool if you could learn, like teach yourself how to safely do that and uh, not ever need climbing sticks or ropes or aiders anymore? <laughs> I think some people do do that, don't they? Yeah, they're called badasses. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I don't. Like, I that's I, that's I don't know big, if I could do that. That's probably Clint's next endeavor. Yeah, <laughs> some states like it, aren't some states uh, illegal to use the the, the spikes? Uh, probably on public. It is. I think in PA. I think in PA, if you got a got an officer on the wrong day, he'd probably probably find you for it. Light yeah, yeah well, on public land in Iowa, you're not even supposed to shoot uh, trim shooting lanes. Yeah, you can't you can't hear either. Yeah, and yeah. they are they're they they find you for it. Yeah, yeah, they do that. And there's the whole uh, heck. We're not even supposed to use the screw in bow hangers. Right, same here. Yeah, I think a lot of states are like like you're not allowed to jack public land. Yeah, do any yeah. harm to the trees. Yeah. Um, Dan, what else you got going on, man? Uh, really, just trying to maintain sanity while life happens you know, with, with the kids and the kids activities and, and uh, all, you know, just life trying to maintain what we're, what I'm pretty excited about as far as the network is concerned, man is, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you know this by now, but the, the sportsman's empire has just re- released in time for Turkey season two brand new Turkey hunting podcast, Parker uh, McDonald from the Southern ground podcast has released the, his limb hanger series. Yep. So that's a brand new podcast. And then Paul from Ohio uh, outdoors has released the how to hunt Turkey podcast. And I'm tr- we're working on it right now. There's going to be another big surprise, hopefully coming within I'm hoping a couple weeks uh, we can get the deal done, but uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a big one. That's going to be joining the um, joining the network. And just on top of that, man, just trying to grow the network as a whole, you know, make more people aware of it because honestly I do, I will put the content that we put out, whether it's myself or you or, or somebody else on the network, I will put that content up against any other podcast, the big names included out there. And, and so that I may sound biased because I, you know, I run the company and, and, and I'm associated with you guys, but really it's true. The, the content that we're putting out is, is in my opinion, second to nobody. And uh, trust me, I've heard some garbage in, in, <laughs> in my life. And so I just wanted to, uh, say that man we're doing some cool things we're going to be adding some episodes or some some video to the sportsman's empire youtube channel here pretty soon and uh just keep moving forward man i like it aaron what else do you got anything for dan before we roll off i don't i guess like this is kind of the time of year too for point strategy are you doing any anything as far as that goes dan yeah so as far as points are concerned not really uh i I'm the only preference point state that I have continuously applied for would be Wyoming. And I don't even know for elk elk and deer and antelope. So they have a 50 point. It's basically, I think it's 50 points gets you a preference point. And so I'm spending 150 or $180 a year to get those three animals and, and really just biding the time until time and finances meet, which will allow me to go. Cause when I go on this elk hunt, it's going to be like a once 
I, I think I have, I'm going to, this year I'm going to have eight preference points. Oh, okay. So I don't think I'm going to go this year, but maybe next year, or the year after I'm, when I go, I'm going to go for like two weeks. I'm going to do it big. And, yeah. uh, and so from a preference point stamp, you know, from a preference point standpoint, I'm definitely playing the Wyoming game. And then it's just basically educating myself. Like right now I'm in, I'm, I'm in a goal oriented mode, which uh, keeps me coming back to South Dakota every year right. until they change their, it sounds to me like they're going to try to change their uh, draw to a, almost a preference point system. Then uh, if, because right now I can go to every year, right? Once that changes, then I'll have to think of something different, but from a uh, preference point, from a preference point standpoint, I'm going to be uh, uh, just, just, you know, until something comes up, just Wyoming. Yeah. So Dan, you hunted Colorado a few years back, right? Right. What? So, cause I said this like three years ago when I started the podcast, I had every ambition of like, Oh, I want to go out West. I want to do the elk. Hunt. I want to do all that stuff. And like what you just said, finances, time, yeah, work, family need to all line up. And I'm kind of, man, I, I went out West to Utah two years ago for a mule deer hunt. I would do that one again. I would definitely go out West, do a mule deer. I have not done the elk hunt. Aaron, you did it this past year. You tagged down on a beautiful bull. What was it? 298. 292 292 bull kind of like you know drop camp right like you kind of had an idea but it was still you had to go out there and and find and and hunt and kill that i am intrigued about that i would like to do that sounds great to me but man dan i said i've said it now a couple times i i want to do adventures like for the whitetail i just want to go take the knowledge that I've learned that I keep messing up on to try to improve upon. I just feel like I'm, if I were to go on an elk hunt, I'm going to be 30 years behind the, the eight ball compared to yeah. only being eh, maybe five years behind on the eight ball with whitetail. Right. Like I just, right. I just feel for me, that's where I'm at. Like kind of like what you just said for going to Wyoming eight, you know, eight plus points and going two weeks. That is my goal for Iowa. Like I have, I like all these big whitetail states like that. That's my goals. I want to try to put as much time and effort into that specific hunt because, you know, it doesn't come around so often. Colorado. I, I, I love that place. I, I definitely want to go back, but it's getting harder to find good spots in that. According to my buddy who lives out there, just cause every, number one, everybody's coming to it. And then Colorado is also making more zones uh, preference point based, which means that the people who were going there are now going to other over the counter units and it's just becoming really congested. So that I, I hear that yeah. on, on top of that, um, when it dude, when it comes to Iowa, I'm going to, I'm going to strongly recommend this. If you decide to put in for your Iowa preference point, it's such a once in a lifetime opportunity for guys that you need to dedicate a full week half week, four days, whatever trip during the it's March, true. March yeah. timeframe, maybe you want to call it a shed hunting trip. You do what you want, but to get out here and scout ahead of time, some of this properties, because if you do, you have the opportunity. And right now there are rules there there's legislation being put in place that will absolutely destroy what Iowa has for a whitetail herd. Uh, th- these politicians are starting to, are trying to ruin it. Anyway, 
get out here, you could have the hunt of a lifetime just by going into a good spot that you've scouted. And there's the opportunity for a 150 class deer to, to pop out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was saying is like, I, I think it's even worth doing it. Well, you live there, Dan. So tell me what you think is like doing it over a couple of years to take the time to, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a couple of years out from it. I wouldn't be opposed to going this spring and doing, yeah. like a, doing a shed hunt scout just yeah. because I feel like, I mean, you, even when you go and you do that in season scouting, the next time you have a way leg up, like, you know, where to find, you know, where to, you have a starting point instead of just starting from ground zero. Yep. Absolutely. I think one, one thing too, with points for, for elk that I, I think I noticed that the, the unit that I hunted this year um, is a, it's basically a one point unit, but there's still a, like, I want to say the, I looked at the statistics on it. I think it's a 40% chance to draw without a point in yeah. that unit. I think a lot of people don't like, they just Realize automatically, that. Oh, I want to go over the counter because yeah. I know I don't have to worry about buying tag, blah, blah, blah. And then they just, they just do that. But then you are, you know, I think you give yourself a little bit of a better chance than going to a unit that's even as low as one point. Yeah. Oh, that's good that's stuff. Cool. I like it, Dan. Well, I appreciate you. I've it's finally had the chance to get you friggin' on. I and like I said, it's been a an honor to be a part of the the empire. And like you said, uh, all our podcasts on here are, are phenomenal. I love just being able to let it play during the day whenever I'm driving, whenever I'm hitting the gym. I you know what's funny is you know you get revved up. I mean, very rarely anymore am I listening to music while I'm working out because I there you go. You know, I'm listening to what content we're putting out and what Aaron's doing with some of his buddies over at Exodus and everything like that. So I just you know it's it's been fun to you know do this and and be a part of this. And man, you do a great job. And so it's it's an honor and privilege to, to have you on finally and talk to you. And I'm looking forward to once it get, starts getting to kind of even more into that summer, getting gearing up to see what you have planned and what is kind of shaking out to, for the upcoming season for you. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta pay attention to when these uh, draws and preference point purchases are happening. So I don't miss them. And, uh, and then I'll, you know, just, I guess, start putting the pieces of the puzzle together then. Yep. I like it. Well, Dan, let, uh, make sure you go listen to nine Fiender Chronicles. Make sure you're already downloading every podcast from the sportsman's empire. You have the gear podcast, yeah, hunting gear podcast, hunting yep. gear podcast as well. So go follow them, go check us out. Everything that we have, Dan, anything else that I missed that you want to say before, before you head off? All right. I want you to go to iTunes. Okay. And I want you to look up the Antler Up podcast, and I want you to give it a five-star review and say a really nice thing about Jeremy Dinsmore. And what that'll do is that'll help Jeremy in his rankings, and more people will find him because this is a good podcast, and I think more people should listen to it. So everybody who's listening needs to go do that right now. <laughs> thank you, man. I appreciate it. Well, everybody, go give Dan a follow if you're already not doing so. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on, too, to help out thank today. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week, everybody. Antler up.